Tyrone and I'm Desiree and we are are not not your attorneys attorneys. you guys summer is ending officially it's Afropunk weekend in New York City yeah and made in America is coming up that's when you know summer is officially over yeah it's sort of sad it reminds me of last year when we went to Afropunk and you know did our little thing Oh, yeah, we should post some throwback footage or something about that. That's right. We have, like, I think a whole, like, interview or something that we didn't air with, you know, Gerard from Under Fire. Shout out, Gerard. But hopefully everyone's having fun. I was saying to Desiree earlier, it's like, it's like, I feel like at the end of summer, like, I get a little restless and I have just, like, a little bit of a travel bug. So it's like, I want to go somewhere and do something. Yeah. Just because, like, you know, you feel like you said summer's coming to an end, so... I got fair, like maybe like a little Labor Day trip or something. Something, something. If not made in America, we gotta go somewhere and just is that next get weekend? ready for this brutal winter. Uh, September first and September second in Philly. Okay. Uh, don't don't say that word. Don't say winter. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pretend that um fall's gonna last forever because that's my favorite season. <laughs> Except for when we complaining about it's 90 degrees. But anyway, you know, let's let's get into these cases. So another person that I guess we're starting to talk about regularly now, Dr. Dre. He is back on our radar. He is, huh? Yeah, he be, yeah, we be talking about him. I think it's because he's a businessman now. He's not really an artist, so yeah, lawsuits abound. <laughs> in a civil lawsuit filed in California, the family of Terry Carter alleged that NBC Universal, Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, they were all negligent and liable for the wrongful death of Carter after he died when Suge Knight got into an altercation. Mm, sounds just like Suge Knight to me. <laughs> so this is the reason why Suge is currently on trial for murder. And I don't know if, <laughs> if people really remember while he when he went away. Because it sort of happened pretty quickly, and it seems like he just sort of been locked up since then. Since and, then, yeah. But so still got into a verbal altercation with, I don't is it Clee? Clay? Whatever. They call him Bone. <laughs> so he is a technical advisor to assist in, in security, and he was hired by the filmmakers of the NWA biopic Straight Outta Compton, which I finally saw. And <laughs> finally. Finally. I, I, you know what? Because, you know, Dre had to apologize, or not Dre. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was Dre true. who had to apologize about the um, abuse to women because I was like, you ain't get my money, honey. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Suge appeared at the base camp for Straight Outta Compton, Bone confronted him and demanded he leave the set. So I guess he wasn't wanted. And after a verbal altercation, Suge left. But sometime later, a meeting was arranged at the parking lot of a nearby fast food restaurant. And Carter the deceased he was acting as a mediator between like the hotheads but as the tensions grew apparently suge got in his car hit the gas and as a result ran over and killed carter 
The complaint was amended a couple times because Carter's family struggled to articulate why the film's producer should be held responsible for Suge's actions. The theories put forward included that the filmmakers knew of Suge's criminal history, his hostility towards Dr. Dre and Ice Cube, and they had negligently supervised Sloan, who was alleged to be a known gangster and criminal with more than a 10-year history of ill will towards Suge Knight. The Carter family lost this case in trial court and later appealed. And Desiree sort of alluded to this already about the negligently supervised, but we'll talk more about a form of torts and what torts are, because that's essentially what is sort of going on here since they're trying to find them like civilly liable and not like in a criminal case. So stick around for the breakdown where we talk about what tort law is and why it sounds like a funny word. So... (laughs) The California Appeals Court came down the same way and confirmed that NBC, Dr. Dre, and Ice Cube were off the hook. And the court ultimately ruled that even accepting the allegation that Sloan, or Bone, Suge Knight had violent tendencies toward each other, it is still not enough to permit a judgment that it would be foreseeable that a third party like Suge would harm a mediator at a meeting, particularly one like Carter, who was, as plaintiffs alleged, as well-respected by the third party. The court further stated that the earlier interactions between Sloan and Suge at base camp was, by plaintiffs' own omission, nonviolent, and plaintiffs make no allegation that Suge or Sloan made any threats of future harm or violence during their base camp exchange of words, nor that the defendants ever directed Sloan to confront Suge in a violent manner. Finally, the court explained, despite Suge's history of violence, they don't see any prior similar incidents to warrant additional security for the meeting between Sloan and Suge, nor any voluntary assumption of a duty to protect Carter. So yeah, this essentially, it seems like it's a little bit of common sense to me, but it comes down to Suge being the one that needs to be held responsible, responsible, in all of this because there's just no way that they could have known that the, the and when I say they, I'm talking about the NWA, uh, straight out of Compton people, they, they wouldn't have known any of this would have happened um, with the people that they were employing to, you know, keep peace and security on set. And it really comes down to Suge just being a hothead. And that is why he is still currently on trial. Yep. And locked up. I'm surprised that he has been in jail this long, but you know, as people say, and still karma doing, comes back. And I think he's still doing crimes from jail. <laughs> like he's directing <laughs> people to do things on his behalf. I'm pretty sure that's the case, but you know what? You know, uh, if that is, let's just move on to yeah. something more pleasant. <laughs> something way more pleasant. Beyonce, of course. Absolutely. So. As all of you know, we moonlight this as a Beehive podcast, but there's an actual reason to talk about her <laughs> and in regards to her trademark lawsuit for Poison Ivy Park. Uh, let's get into who she's going up head to head with. So Mike Land, the owner of 4772 Inc., filed an application with the USPTO for an online clothing store called Poison Ivy Park. By now, we're all familiar with B's active wear brand, or as I like to say, athleisure brand, <laughs> Ivy Park. Ivy Park. So when B's legal team caught wind of Mr. Land's trademark application, 
uh, they filed an opposition to the application. In this opposition, B's legal team claimed that the name Poison Ivy Park was way too similar to her Ivy Park brand and would confuse customers. Mike Lynn's team argued that the name Poison Ivy Park was distinctive because it had <laughs> the word poison in it. <laughs> oh, okay. I tried not to laugh, but you beat me. <laughs> sir, sir. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, mm, okay. Okay, yeah. Well, the USPTO board, they disagreed. They laughed too, basically. <laughs> and they were like, sis, get your life. <laughs> so additionally, Lynn's team failed to respond to Beyonce's motion of opposition, which further persuaded the judge to rule in Queen Bee's favor. So ultimately, Mike Lynn and the crew over there are officially blocked from trademarking Poison Ivy Park, as they should be. As they should be. I don't like that. One, it's too similar, and I don't like you saying Poison Ivy. Like I can just hear all the negative Nancys trying to talk mess about B like they always do with no grounds. Like, I'm not having it. Absolutely. Like, why would you even... Like, you knew what you were doing with that. Like, it's an athletic wear brand that has the name Ivy Park in it. Mm -hmm. That is such a... The if you watch the little you know promo video she did when she first launched it, she yes. talked about why she named it that, and it's a pretty unique name. <laughs> so, Harry. so you definitely were trying to associate yourself with that brand and somehow play off of that and be like, ooh, baby, this is like a new, like special portion of Ivy Park. No, have several seats. <laughs> several. Now we talk about this guy a lot, and not in a positive manner not a super positive light but (laughs) like whatever (laughs) he comes up again we just get some repeat offenders lately this time dr luke yes dr luke that's who we're discussing he's in court with katie perry but they're both defendants in this case so this time around marcus gray a christian hip-hop artist known as flame alleged that luke and perry lifted key elements from his song joyful noise for their pop hit dark horse luke and perry rebutted this claim by filing a motion for summary judgment and summary judgment is when one party believes that there is no important facts to dispute so luke and perry's team further stated that they had no idea who flame is or was and that they've never heard the song um i've never heard of flame and I didn't. The song Joyful Noise. Um, but matter, again, I'm not in Christian hip hop. That's not my genre. Like, I'll but do Lecrae maybe. But. And song, it has like 1.3 million views. So what we'll do is we'll play the songs for you real quick. And we'll let you be the, the judge of the portions if you think they sound similar or not. So here's the song Joyful Noise. And now listen to Katy Perry's Dark Horse, produced by Dr. Luke. Let's rage. I knew you were, you were gonna come to me. And here you are, but you better choose carefully. Cause I, I'm 
So a U.S. District Court judge, uh, Christina Snyder, disagreed with Luke and Perry and dismissed their motion for summary judgment. So he's like, oh, no, the facts aren't as simple as you think they are, sis. (laughs) (laughs) The judge ruled that the songwriters have demonstrated a tribal issue of fact as access because Joyful Noise achieved critical success, including a Grammy nomination and was readily available and viewed millions of times on YouTube and MySpace when it was around, like, when it, I think it's still around. I don't know, but 2012 I think it or is. before. Yeah, it's in those weird, like, quasi-music type of thing, but whatever. Um, also, the defendant's concerns about the meaningfulness of the YouTube and MySpace view counts. That is just some shady stuff right there. You said it wasn't meaningful. This is Christian hip-hop. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so what the say, distinctiveness like? of the Christian music market and the lack of commercial activity are also questions of fact to be resolved by the jury. Therefore, a favorable ruling for summary judgment is not likely. So I guess this will be going to trial and the jury will have to decide on the similarities based on the facts. So I think we should just stay tuned for an update because... Who knew it was going to be Flame bringing down Dr. Luke right. and Katy you know, Perry? I'll keep my my opinions to myself. I want to hear what y'all think first. So, But another person trying to stop people from using their music, and this one just cracks me up. Uh, Aerosmith, Steven Tyler from Aerosmith well, is telling... He does not like the person who's using the music, and I don't think most people who listen to Aerosmith Probably, well, I I can't really talk about who the audience is for Aerosmith, to be quite honest. I just know I don't like the person who we're talking about, which is 45. Um, Y'all president. The, Y'all the president. president of a country or something like that. <laughs> so Steven Tyler of Aerosmith is not playing with the president of some America somewhere. So recently he sent a, and by he, we mean his attorney, recently his attorney and him sent a cease and desist letter to Trump after Living on the Edge was played at the Charleston Civic Center in Charleston, West Virginia for one of, I think, the president's rallies, I believe, like, because apparently he's already, you know, on the campaign trail. Um, But this is not the first time Tyler sent y'all president cease and desist letters. In 2015, Tyler sent then-candidate Trump two letters demanding he stop playing Dream On at his events. According to Tyler's attorney, Trump knew he needed express written permission to use Aerosmith songs and therefore his conduct is willful. And I mean, there's really like it's pretty blatant when someone has like if you use someone's song in a like a setting like that and they've told you already, like, don't use any of my songs, period. And you're just like, mm what if we use a different song? <laughs> and he's like, no, none of the songs. None of that's the what, songs. That's right. what willful is. So Tyler's attorney further stated that Trump is creating the false impression that his client has given his consent for the use of his music and even that he endorses the presidency of Donald. But by using Living on the Edge without his client's permission. So Mr. Trump is implying that his client once again endorses his campaign and or presidency as evidenced by actual confusion seen 
from the reaction of the client's fans all over social media. Those so, fans were not having it. And that, so we know at least some of Aerosmith's fans are not down <laughs> with the clown. <laughs> all this implication in your voice, Tyrone. <laughs> but Tyler has given Trump 24 hours to respond in writing that he will comply. Otherwise, the letters indicate that Trump will be facing claims of for violation of privacy uh, rights, trademark infringement, and other causes of action. I don't think Trump needs any more it <laughs> any more court cases coming up. We'll we'll get to that at the end. They're really lawyers, you know. They're gunning for him right now. <laughs> and I am living. But what, what were they not- trying to do with Obama? Make him a one term president? <laughs> they trying to do that to Trump, but y'all Tyrone know how my opinion. I think they go reelect him. Anyway, but we got some updates for you. So, if you remember a while back, we were talking about tattoos in relation to sports players and video games, and we were. It was a weird episode because they were saying like, like, oh, you know, on the skin, and does that is that a medium you can trademark? Blah blah blah. And copyrights is what we actually got at more too. So a while back, we discussed um, Solid Oak Sketches, uh, which is, I believe, the tattoo place versus Take-Two Interactive NBA 2K lawsuit. And so Take-Two makes games. One of them is NBA 2K. So in this case, there's a dispute about whether or not athletes' tattoos can be shown in video games without their consent, or is this violating the tattoos artist's copyright? So while there has been no decision rendered in the case, NBA star and new L.A. Laker player LeBron James has testified in court. LeBron has said it is his understanding that his tattoos are part of his body and his likeness, and he has the right to have his tattoos visible when people or companies depict what he looks like. He further said he also thought that He had the right to license what he looks like to other people for various merchandise, television appearances, and other types of creative works like video games. And LeBron further went on to say that each of my tattoos was created to showcase parts of my life and things that are important to me. My tattoos are a part of my persona and identity. If I am not shown with my tattoos, it wouldn't really be a depiction of me, which... I mean, it's pretty, I agree with that. So ultimately, I think this testimony is powerful and may be able to sway the judge in the defendant's favor. Yeah, I just think it'll be crazy to require a person to keep in touch with artists for their entire lives or for tattoo artists to forbid forbid them from showing their bodies in a commercial respect because they don't have the license to do so. Um, So hopefully... The court makes the right decision, the most logical decision. And we had told you guys before when celebrities now are getting tattoos, some of them are having artists sign away their rights just to avoid situations like this. Yeah, I I guess it's just it's different when it comes to celebrities. And that's not a world that I'm in or am I interested in, per se. Like, I'll take the celebrities money, but like, I honestly don't want the fame of celebrities. Right. (laughs) But... When you get to that type of world, it's like everything sort of becomes monetizable and part of your brand. So you got to make sure that you aren't leaving yourself open to, 
you know, any type of liabilities, particularly with something like uh, tattoos are works of art, but like they're also works of art that inherently to me, it's like they're work for hire. It's like you're Absolutely. doing the work for them. And I will argue them. that the person with the tattoo kind of is what I guess a co-copyright holder with it because typically when you go get a tattoo, yeah, you tell the artist what you want, but you might change stuff on it. It's kind of like your two visions mixing together. Yeah. So it's not that, in my opinion, a tattoo artist is the sole creator of the tattoo, which means they shouldn't be the sole creator of the copyright. Yeah. So we will keep you updated. And like we said, hopefully the judges use common sense in making this case and come up with something that it is both good for the artists and for the people who are receiving the tattoos. But we also have just one more update for you. Um, and this one it goes back to the AEG case. That was a little bit complicated and it took us a minute to explain. So we'll try to re-up you on the facts. So yeah, so Ozzy Osbourne, he got a win in this lawsuit against concert venue promoter AEG. They are kind of responsible for some of the most famous concert venues. As previously discussed, Osborne was suing AEG in an antitrust lawsuit for trying to force him to hold all of his concerts at its must-have venues if they allowed him to use a different venue for one show. So... If he had a concert in London, they're like, if you use our concert venue in London, well, when you have a show in California, you also have to use that concert venue too by us as opposed to any other venue. So AEG is firing back by asserting that the lawsuit was engineered by its competitor, Live Nation, and challenged Osborne's standing to bring the case by discussing just how the agreement for concerts was won between AEG and Live Nation which represents Osborne as his concert broker and promoter. So the judge actually sided with Osborne and gave him the green light to pursue the case. By Osborne not being allowed to play his preferred venues, he could, as well as other artists, suffer personal damages in a fairly direct and non-speculative way. And that damage can stem from the kind of conduct that's prohibited by antitrust law. So... I will keep you posted. I think this will be definitely a big deal for the music industry as a it's, whole and how be. touring goes. Uh, so we'll definitely see what happens. This is the breakdown. breakdown. And today's topic, tort law. Torts are wrongdoings that are done by one party against another. As a result of the wrongdoing, the injured person may take civil action against the other party. Some common examples of torts include someone getting hit by a car while riding a bike, a tenant slipping on a puddle created by a maintenance worker in the building owned by their landlord, or a stranger coming up to you and slapping you for no reason at all. Regardless of the tort action, three elements must be present. One, tortfeasor or defendant had a duty to act or behave in a certain way. Two, Plaintiff must prove that the behavior demonstrated by the tortfeasor did not conform to the duty owed to the plaintiff. Three, the plaintiff suffered an injury or loss as a result. The three types of torts include intentional, meaning that the defendant intended to cause harm to the plaintiff, negligence, 
meaning the defendant should have known that the harm caused the plaintiff was possible and they should have done more to prevent it. And finally, strict liability, which holds the defendants responsible for the harm caused to the plaintiff, no matter what their state of mind was when the harm happened to the plaintiff. The punishment in tort cases is usually limited to monetary relief or injunctive relief, stopping someone from doing something or causing someone to do something. But there is no jail time or fines involved since it is a civil action between private parties. For more information about the difference between civil and criminal cases, check out the breakdown in episode 9, Bitch Better Have My Money. And since tort law is different from state to state, be sure to research your own state's tort laws. And that was the breakdown. All right. Now, before we get out of here, we had mentioned that Trump is just having a tough time right now. And his attorneys are going down. (laughs) Lightly. That is a very light way to put it. He's having a tough time. Man, we are in Watergate scandal territory. (laughs) Let me just say... Before Tyrone gets into the facts of what happened, let me paint this picture for you. I was at a bar, the only black person in the bar. I was waiting on my transportation. And this Caucasian man's like, can I buy you a drink? I was like, oh, no, thank you. He was like, please let me buy you a drink. I'm buying everyone at the bar drinks. I was like, uh, he was like, it's a great day in American democracy. I'm like... Okay. He was like, yes, Trump is going down. I was like, oh, I've been busy all day. Like, what happened? And so, as I said, Tyrone will get into that. But uh, he said, my woman, my, my wife is a woman of color. <laughs> <laughs> and she is going to be so happy about what has happened. And he said, you know, finally, we have an impeachable offense against Trump. This really, falls under high crimes and misdemeanors. We are right up there, Desiree. <laughs> so for those who haven't been paying attention and have been living under a rock or, you know, just taking a social media hiatus, news hiatus, because, um, you know, self-care. <laughs> I think, was it Tuesday? I'm pretty sure it was Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday was such a good day for everyone else in America except the president because it was like, when they write this movie and like they do this like years later and they talk about like pivotal moments, pivotal moments that led to the president being impeached or him resigning, this day is going to be the pinnacle of the movie. And what happened essentially was his former campaign chairman, um, Paul Manafort, was on trial in uh, Virginia, I believed. And instead of like they had all this evidence and like all these witnesses and everything that was just like, it was so clear that he did it, but he was like, I'm not pleading out. I'm not taking a deal with um, Robert Mueller, the special counsel. He went to trial and he took his chances and he lost. So homeboy was found guilty of bank and tax fraud. And he was found guilty of, I believe eight out of the 18 counts. And that was only because in there was instructions from the judge not to tell anyone for the jury not to indicate how they voted um, on any of the counts. But on the final verdict sheet, <laughs> they put that every count that they didn't all agree on because they had to be unanimous, it came down to one person. So it was 10 to 1 every single time for all of the eight 
all of the 10 counts that he wasn't convicted of. So it was literally one person that kept him being from being convicted for all 18 counts. And if he was convicted of all of them, he was going to jail for the rest of his life, like times four. <laughs> right. But, so also uh, uh, Trump's former attorney, Michael Cohen, pleaded guilty to violating campaign finance laws and former apprentice consultant Summer Vervos told a New York judge that the president is refusing to produce documents concerning his sexual misconduct towards women. So and, this was like, oh, whew, this was. But the the tweets following this was hilarious. Stormy Daniels, uh, I think she tweeted, "How you like me now?" or something like that. <laughs> you know, because they Pretty tried much. to say she was lying and didn't get paid. And it also, uh, I was just going to say that Michael Cohen isn't the most credible because of the fact that he's been lying for years for his client, former client, Donald Trump. But what will set him apart from a lot of these other witnesses that potentially be brought against uh, Trump is that he has tapes and paperwork to back up what he's talking about. So it'll essentially come down to him saying like, no, Donald Trump knew about the payments to these women to hide and they were paid via the Trump campaign. And that amounted to a campaign finance violation, which would be amazing. But then also to have the Paul Manafort portion, that is where we're going to get, because Paul Manafort's still not done. He still has another trial that starts next week. Yep. And it has to do with like him not being um, a registered foreign actor, like he was representing other <laughs> nations on their behalf. Wow. So that is where we get into like the Russia piece. And that's where- Exactly. It's it's about to get so, so, so good. And it was just, I think Tuesday was, cause I think some of this stuff happened later on in the week, but Tuesday within four minutes of each other, Paul Manafort was declared guilty. <laughs> and then that happened four minutes before Michael Gohan pled guilty in um, New York <laughs> for right. all the stuff that we just talked about. So it was like double header split screen television. And type so of television. one thing that the guy at the bar pointed out and, you know, he thought it was hilarious was when Nixon went down, it was also in August. He said it was August 21st. And this is happening to Trump August 25th. He said, August is the month. August is the month for <laughs> impeachment. So. I mean, we'll see what happens. I don't know. Like, honestly, I just feel like let Trump run out his time and don't reelect him because who knows what damage that uh, Pence is going to do. Oh, my God. That's the thing. So if, that's, it has to be a complete takedown. It can't just be uh, the president going. Like, it really needs to be a complete demolishing of the whole cabinet. Everyone has to go. But someone who also wasn't having that great of a week was Nicki Minaj. Um, she felt that she should have got the number one album for various reasons and not saying that some of them weren't valid, but <laughs> she also sort of went crazy on her queen radio and she gave some of the, the best memes of the year so far, to be quite honest. To freedom! freedom. It's probably <laughs> going on my tombstone. <laughs> well. And Rosa Parks, <laughs> shiny um, effing dress. It was, oh my God, it was so good. If you haven't heard some of those clips, I'm going to advise every single person to literally stop listening to this podcast. Go look up her Queen Radio episodes from last week because she gave you performance art. She knew she sounded crazy. She didn't care. She was like, 
I just want to do this and Nikki get this off Minaj my chest. Nicki Minaj is a prime <laughs> example of when a woman is fed up. And I'm not mad at you, Nikki. You, she's been quiet about most stuff and injustices that have been happened to her that she or she feels that has happened to her. So go off, sis. I mean, you don't need to be quiet. We not go, Like you said, we not going to let people silence a black woman. So do what you need to do to be successful. I am not mad at it. And I'm loving Queen album. You know, I got me a couple of favorites or... As Tyrone says, some bops. So, um, and if you didn't know, um, Desiree is definitely a barb. So, yeah. <laughs> beehive is, before a barb, but yeah, still a she's barb. Definitely in the barbs, um, whatever they call themselves. Like it's not the, the hive or anything like that. And I think that's really um, it. Anything else special, spicy happen? Uh, nothing too. Sp- oh, I opened my own law practice, so you guys hey. can check out my website. It's, Congrats! Um, thank you, tallylawgroup.net. So, yeah, I'm gonna be bringing some people on, and we are here to serve your business and entertainment needs. And you'll yeah, be based out of New York. New York, based out of New York. So, yeah, that's it. Good week well, for some, bad week for others, but you know, <laughs> let's just enjoy the rest of this summer while we got it. And you know, as usual, don't forget to connect and link with us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Again, if you're still using Facebook, <laughs> at <laughs> Pop Law Podcast on all of those things. And you can reach out to us via email if you want to do partnerships or you have any idea for guests or if you would like to be a guest on our show, we can start that conversation at poplawpodcast.gmail. Legal component if you want to be <laughs> on the podcast. You know, uh, yeah. figure it out and then pitch us and we are open. So until next time, remember we, we are, are not, not your, your attorney. attorney. Oh.